editor, former online and managing editor, and host of Talk That Talk, award-winning journalist Terrell Chatterbox Emerson. Welcome to it. Welcome to it. It is a little after 10 o'clock on a Monday night. Switched it up again. Um, Welcome to it. Welcome to it. It is time for your Monday installment of the Talk That Talk radio show. Once again, I am your host, Terrell Chatterbox Emerson, in studio with my guy, Matthew Raftery. Matt, what's going on, man? Not much. It it almost doesn't necessarily feel like the start of a new week, outside of there's no good college basketball on, I should say. I am. (laughs) They're going to kill you for that. I'm just saying the NCAA attorney's not on. And the CBI is on Flow Sports. So you got to subscribe to that, too. Didn't the, didn't the women have a round tonight? Yeah. I, I will say I caught the tail end of North Carolina, Ohio State. That was a great finish. And that was the NCAA tournament, correct? Yeah. And then whatever the other games were. I would say all the guys' games right now are probably bad. It's probably, let me not say bad basketball. Let me shut up. It's good basketball. I'm, I, there were some games, though, in the women's bracket today. I was like, how did this make it to the NCAA tournament? I mean, just to, like, annihilations. If I knew you were going to start there, I would have definitely drew this show up completely different. But I didn't. Not even going to lie to you. Uh, but let's go ahead and get it started. Um, oh, wow. Let me let me look at something really quick. Give me less than 20 seconds, guys. Um, Matt, how was your weekend? It was busy. Um, for one, I worked all weekend. so That's fun, right? Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> I'll I'll say this, I got to every day I worked was involving a tournament game, so of some sort. So, I think over the weekend I worked a total of six of the tournament games. So that's always fun, right? Yeah, I mean I didn't miss anything much. Like I kept up with the tournament at least. Um, it's a little different. I always tell people it's different watching basketball compared to working basketball, and people kind of look at me sideways like, aren't you doing the same thing? Like, no, you you don't get what I'm saying. Especially doing (laughs) what you do. Yeah. Um, You want to – I almost said the name. You want to give them a shout-out? I mean, people – honestly, people would know this company if they watched the game through the entirety because our credits are on – our logo's on the credits if you watch a CBS broadcast. Talk about it. Sport Radar. So talk about it. You see him on the credits. CBS is, um, as we've been reminded numerous times, is a very big client of ours. We'll put it that way. Um, through their broadcasting channels and all that. Um, so for our company in particular, I mean, every sporting event's big. But when we get to NCAA tourney time, knowing that it is a pretty exclusive. CBS coverage, TBS, TNT, they all kind of fall under the same umbrella. No, this is like our Super Bowl. Like, you got to have everything in place, your best people, you know, doing the work and all that. Because everybody's going to notice every mistake. I mean, it could be the finite type of mistake where you'd be like, ah, it's not a big deal. No, somebody's going to tell, somebody's going to complain about it. So, little, it's definitely a, high pressure, high tension time for the company. But my saying is just get us to April. Because once we get to April, I t- there's not much until football. <laughs> Don't say that. Um, We still have a company to sell. Um, Anywho, uh, I have my mom's tip in, and I have a funny story about the NCAA. I swear I was not starting here. 
and I do not have the show drawn up for this. Um, but let's do it. Let's go for Th- it. This is the whole purpose of, of, of this show, right? We're going to go past 12 tonight, and I told Matt I don't even like going past 12, but we didn't do a show on Thursday. We have to do a show. We had to do a show today. We didn't get it done earlier in the day. We're going to go a full two hours today regardless of the fact. Um, let's start with my mom's tipping, and then I got a story about something that I found hilarious. I actually tweeted about it, and to me it's such a good story if you're a sports fan. I'm going to tell that story here. But my mom's sipping. My mom's sipping for today says, work for a cause, not for applause. Live life to express, not to impress. Don't strive to make your present notice. Just make your absence felt. I'll read that one more time. Work for a cause, not for applause. Live life to express, not to impress. Don't strive to make your presence notice. Just make your absence felt. I like it. Mm. I like it a lot, actually. Mm. This one is great because it doesn't have a name on it. This is radio, so I can have some fun with it. I want to steal it. I'm not going to lie to you. That's hard. And I like it for several reasons. Now... Let's get to this story that circles back to this particular time of year in terms of the NCAA tournament. Um, I have a friend out there. I'm not even going to throw her last name out there because I don't think, I don't even think she would like it. Shout out to Adira. Big Jersey. Um, Adira... That's my friend, obviously. Yeah. And I found this story so funny because I wake up one morning, I'm scrolling on Instagram, and I'm scrolling through people's, like, stories. So I'm laying down. And mind you, I haven't seen a deer in, like, two years. So I'm laying down. Uh, Actually, let let me do this. Let me actually start the story by telling you guys how I met a deer. So I met a deer um, actually celebrating one of my friend's uh, going away party from LA, but he was coming to Vegas. So I was like, cool. Like, this is perfect for me. We go out there, we're celebrating, we're at a bar. At the time, Adira was their coworker where they worked in LA. So I was like, okay, cool. So we're all at the bar, we're all drinking, we're all cool. I hang with Adira maybe two or three more times, like within the group. So I'm like, all right, cool. This is, this is lit, right? Obviously, the friends in that group, like, start to talk over time. So, like I said, I ain't seen her during, like, two years, but we still text. We still, whatever the case may be. She's from Jersey. I tell her all the time, I got to go back. I got I to gotta go back to Jersey. Fast forward to me scrolling in bed last, yesterday, I believe. I think it was yesterday morning. I'm scrolling in bed, and the story post on Instagram said, FDU tap in. Fairly Dickinson. Fairleigh Dickinson University, if you guys are not aware. And Adira was posting mad pictures from Fairleigh Dickinson. I swiped up after about five years almost of knowing Adira. Let's take that back. Three or four years of knowing Adira? I said, dog, did you go to FDU? She was like, yeah. 
I said, see, I said, I'm going to let you have your moment. I said, but I just want you to know. You have never let me know that you, that your alma mater, rather, is FDU until they made this run in the NCAA tournament. Her response, chill. Got to let us have this. All right, cool. I'm, I, I, I know a lot of people would still kind of give it to them now. I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait until this NCAA tournament is over. We have to have a conversation, her and I. Because we see this all the time in college basketball where these different teams um, are represented by people that you're just like, oh, these are universities, obviously. But you're looking at the people that you're like, oh, I didn't know you went there. I didn't know you had connections there. And obviously, as a bartender, I've met certain people rooting for different teams. And it's like you're really in here to root on Drake. That's interesting. Um, But that's literally – you right? Yeah, I'm good. That, I'm good. That's literally what I've come across. And if you would have gave given me 50 chances to guess in my friend group who was watching the NCAA tournament, who's alma mater, like I would have to worry about talking, I would have never guessed the deer. I had to scroll through her. I, she's posting throwbacks. From FDU basketball game. She was the FDU cheerleader. I'm like, dog, I have never seen these pictures ever. It's cool. I'm going to let you have it. Whatever. We got to have a conversation about that. Where's Freddie Dickinson? See? Exactly. See? We got to have a conversation. Okay, I'll, I'll answer that question as soon as you can answer, where's Colgate? Pennsylvania. Is it Pennsylvania? I have no idea. I thought you knew the answer. No, I didn't. That's why I was legitimate. Let's figure it out. Uh, Where is, which one are we figuring out first? Whichever one you want. I feel like Fairleigh Dickinson is in like a Carolina. Okay, no, it's in, it's in Jersey. So. All right. Never mind. I almost said the name, the city name, and I don't want to say it because I feel like I'm going to mispronounce it. And it looks easy. It's okay. It says T-Neck, New Jersey. That could be tougher than you think, yeah. That's probably better. I, I just hope it's not nothing crazy like Tennessee. But anyway, um, what was the last one? Where's Colgate? Madison County, New York. I was close. I'm gonna be honest. Somebody told me somebody was talking about Colgate earlier in the week, and I said, "Why y'all talking about toothpaste?" <laughs> All right, see, let's start the show. I'm, this is I'm, why I'm, we shouldn't do shows at at night on Mondays. This I'm, is this is the reason why we should avoid this. Entirely. I'm glad nobody from Colgate clapped back because they would have had every right to. They'd have been like, yeah. Coming to the bar that I work at, that might be in there. Be careful. Yeah, I mean, you say you got people in there rooting for Drake, so anything's possible. At this point. Uh, <laughs> speaking of anything being possible, UNLV's run in the NCAA tournament, their shot at the impossible uh, fell short on Friday. They Was it Thursday? Thursday. Uh, they fell short against – no, I was right. Friday. Friday. Yep. Um, they fell short against Michigan in the 6-11 matchup. Number 22 UNLV failed to Michigan of the Big Ten, 71-59. Uh, we have 15 minutes in particular on this topic or so. Um, we can we can kind of just try to put into words uh, this game. Obviously, I guess I'll start with the game. But for me, UNLV had – Gotten some bullets and board material. They actually said it during the broadcast. 
uh, Michigan kind of highlighted that they play in the Big Ten and it's a lot more physical and things of that nature. And UNLV took offense to that. And even Lindy said after the game that she didn't feel like after seeing them that they were much bigger than what that than what the teams that they uh, play in the conference look like. And for whatever it's worth, it didn't necessarily feel that way watching the game in certain moments. Granted, I'm not in the building, right? At this particular time, I wasn't at uh, the Pete Maravich Assembly Center in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. However, UNLV was out-rebounded in this one by 10. Um, and, and if you watch the game, uh, Coach Lindy talked about it after the game. She said there wasn't a time that Desi came down the floor and wasn't contacted. There wasn't a time that she wasn't com- came, coming down the floor and got hit. And if that's the case, those bodies, as she said before, she said it's different when you can kind of bring one off the bench and bring another one off the bench and bring another one off the bench and they're all going at the same player because I completely agree with her. If that's the case, doesn't that mean that, that team looks a little bit different than the rest of the Mountain West? You would think. And I guess the biggest takeaway I took from this game, just seeing a lot of the reaction, this team didn't seem... I guess as upset as they were last season with the season-ending loss. Like, the the vibe I got from Lindy and some of the players was, yeah, we'll be, we'll be back next year. Like, they, to me, it felt like last year's loss to Arizona bothered this team far more than this loss to Michigan did. Because... Interesting you said that. I watched how they handled that loss to Arizona in the post game. You could tell they were stunned and it may have honestly been how that game played out and transpired to where, I mean, we were there. We, we said it to ourselves, you know, ULV's in position to win this game. It, you know, I don't think we would have gotten to that point with Arizona being in their place, but somehow, some way we're 10 minutes away from potentially extending a stay a little bit longer. Um, this game, I don't, I don't want to say that they necessarily didn't feel like they could win because they obviously made it very clear that they came into this game expecting to win, according to Lindy, um, which is a mindset you should have. You should never go into a game just, you know, quote-unquote, to have fun or, you know, be competitive. Like, right. no, if you're going to play, you want to play to win, of course. We'll talk about it in a second, Fairly Dickinson. Yeah, they, yeah. Um, I'm so mad at her, dog. Continue. I mean, hey, shot, shot. they went further than UNLV. Not, not the Lady Rebel. Not you know. You're you, gonna anger me. I know. I'm, I'm gonna anger a lot of people. Actually. She just all right. Just don't. Doesn't matter. Um, but anyways, with Lady Rebels. It, it just, I don't know, man. This game felt like they were there, but not like, not really within striking distance. Like, it's interesting you say that. I. I I actually watched, covered the game from the house, and I watched the entire game, and that's, that was kind of my takeaway. I said it doesn't appear that this team was ever really in it. That that's not what I was getting from the game, to be honest with you. And this is so this is so interesting to say because this team had moments, as you expect them to do. They're the number twenty two team in the country for a reason. They made their runs. What was interesting was to me. 
their worst quarter defensively was the third quarter. I believe um, Michigan shy three or three shy nine of 13 or nine of 14 from the field. And they were perfect from beyond the arc. They shot like three threes or maybe four threes. They scored six or excuse me, 26 points. That's probably UNLV's worst quarter. And UNLV lost that quarter by three. I watched that and was like, dog, like <laughs> it's there. The issue for this team um, was the start, if you want to talk about just trends and what we've seen in the season. Uh, wasn't early in the year, right? But toward the latter part of the season, um, this team just was kind of slow out the gate in certain moments. And even during the Mountain West Championship, we saw it in certain moments, right? But didn't happen this time. Um, down 17-9 after the first 10 minutes, and it kind of they, they, they were never able to kind of to swim up uh, upstream after that. Or they were swimming upstream after that. Yeah, I mean... Part of me wonders, and I, I know the answer to this question, so I'm, I'm kind of glad it didn't happen because, honestly, if it did, I don't think UNLV's getting to the, where they ended up. Part of me wonders if this team almost needed a little bit of a – needed a loss in somewhere in the season. Not, I mean, in the conference season, I should say. They had a couple losses in the non-conference, but just something in the conference season. It could have preferably make it a game that they're supposed to win. And they slip up, and I and I, I say that because this team went on a twenty-two game win streak. While obviously going on a win streak's great, at the same time I do get a little bit nervous. The further you go down this win streak, because I mean, as we all know, good things do come to an end at some point. And yeah, we'll I'm, see about I, it with South Carolina. And I, yeah, no, I mean they're on a whole other level. That team, we'll see. About and. <laughs> I think honestly, maybe a conference loss would have. I I don't know maybe. Kept the the fear of losing relative in their minds to where, they're not going to just walk into the gym and play at worst good enough to win the game because they've had they had some of those games in conference where it didn't look the prettiest. But they did make enough plays to get the W. So let me actually pick up right there because that's why I slightly – not even slightly. That's why I disagree with you because uh, Lindy actually mentioned that in her post-game press conference. She said uh, a lot of people questioned if this team needed a loss at some point. And she kind of just shook her head and smiled and was like, no. Like, this team was so focused on the next game that that's what happens. And there was never a point to where the, the streak became an issue for them – and oddly enough, Matt, I agree with her. Like, I agree with her only because you just said it. They had both games against San Diego State. They had Colorado State at home in an overtime game. They had Fresno State. To be completely honest, I thought they were going to lose that game. So that's that's what they went through. So I could see if they coasted every game. And I know there was even a question early in the year when I kind of told Lindy, like, I think after the first road, uh, the first game against San Diego State on the road, I said, uh, "Well, this group, obviously, this is their wake up call, right? Like, and you still kind of won by a sizable margin, but uh, this team has kind of been blitzkrieging different teams, right?" And she was like, "I don't really think we've been running through teams like you do." Uh, she was like, "But th this group feels confident." 
And that circles me back to the original point that you made. Uh, I Now, this is the one that I slightly disagree with you on. Their emotions after the game. There is... There was a feeling around this group last year. We were there, right, in Arizona. To me, I believe that one felt different to you for a couple different reasons. A, it's this group's first experience. B, they had a lead going into the fourth quarter. You could taste it at that point. And we said it in the building. This is the moment where if they were going to tense up, this is the time where it happens. And sure enough, it happened. As we said before, this game never really looked like. They were never in control of this game. And at some moments, it felt like they never had a shot. If you looked at it, they had a shot. It felt like they never had a shot. Lindy and this group, I do believe similar to what you said. Obviously, they're supposed to say that. But we've been around Lindy. There's It's the way that she said that. Lindy's going to come back next year with a fire lit under. And to me... That's the scarier part because this team is going to look different. And, and obviously it's going to look different just in terms of veteran leadership. So that starting lineup is going to look different in a couple of different places, right? But with Justice Ethers leaving, Essence Booker leaving, and Keanu Wilford leaving, this program is going to have to turn to some new senior leadership, and it will be Desi Ray Young. And then now I'm, I'm, I'm kind of definitely putting the cart before the horse, but – that's when I look around and I say, well, I told you guys Lindy wasn't leaving last year. Ask me after Desi senior year. I mean, that is by, because Desi, in terms of eligibility, has, what, two more years? I believe so. That's two more years that schools aren't, aren't going to have to buy out. That's two less years they have to worry about financially. In terms of if they wanted to buy Lindy out early, which let me see when Lindy's contract. <sighs> I mean, I I would like to sit here and be a Las Vegas believer and be like, oh no, she's gonna stay here. I've been around UNLV long enough to know that the best way to describe UNLV, whether it's football, men's basketball, women's basketball, a lot of different sports, is a stepping stone. It's a good place to get your name out there. And if you can do well here, you kind of get noticed by some of the bigger schools. Like, I, I feel like the first true person to set that blueprint for UNLV and kind of set that identity, ironically enough, was Lon Kruger. When teams, you know, bigger schools looked at Lon Kruger and they saw, like, man, this guy... He's consistently getting this program to 20 or more wins every year. They're consistently competitive in the conference tournament. They're consistently making appearances in the NCAA tournament. 
imagine what he could do with a bigger program that has better resources in swoops in Oklahoma in inserts Chris Beard, although Chris Beard wasn't here for very long, but still it's no unusual. It's not unusual by any stretch to see power five schools come in and essentially poach coaches away from UNLV after a few years, especially if they're successful. So to your point, I do think, yeah, give it a couple more years, let her kind of build up more of a resume. I mean, even though her, in my opinion, her resume is very impressive as it is right now, and she could get a good Power 5 job at the moment. I think give her a couple more years, let her build up the program a little bit more, and to your point, as soon as maybe Desi um, graduates, I, I don't know if she necessarily takes offers. I do think she listens to offers, and I think there's a difference, honestly, because you could test the water, and especially the later you get into your current contract, right? The later you get, and I mean, this goes out obviously just outside of coaching, whether it's, you know, a workplace or a player or whatever the case may be, you know, the, the pressure starts to build the later you get into a contract, and you don't have an answer in terms of long term. You don't have a contract extension. Um, You see guys a lot of times, whether it's professional, you know, a lot of times in professional sports, when they're playing in a contract year, they're playing more tense probably than they would because they know, I don't know if next year is guaranteed. Now, obviously, very different, somewhat different um situations I don't think Lindy's going to have to worry about that idea because of the success she's had so far and what I think she can continue to have but overall I just the biggest reason I think I hate this loss for them is it proves a lot of the AP right un- unfortunately <clears throat> because the AP can now look at this loss and simply say hmm we told you so. I disagree only because this is their second appearance and this is what it is. And that's back-to-back NCAA appearances. Ask Arizona how they felt last year. Oh, no, that's for sure. And I think if that's the case, they can think what they want. And obviously it matters. But if this team continues to produce, it's not going to matter. And going back to the point that you said about Lindy, I, I, I did some math and I, and, and – I don't like math typically, but I really, really like the math that I did here because it may end up shaking out. But if Desi stays through her super senior year, that'll be 2024-25. So two more years. Lindy's contract is up 26-27. That means you're only buying out... Two additional years. That's Let me lot. keep going. Wait, okay. wait, wait. Just wait because I'm nowhere near done with these numbers. She would have two years left on her contract. She would be in her. She would be have just completed her fifth season as a head coach. We'll see what that overall record looks like after five years as a head coach. Tara Vanderveer will be seventy-one years old, respectfully, in two years. Remember what I said about Coach K when Coach K snapped on a student reporter. I said I grew up a Duke fan, and said, I said when I watched it from the house, I said ah time for you to get up out of here. I see what's going on. 
Remember I said the same thing about Jim Behan? Stanford lost in the second round of the NCAA tournament. And Tara's post game was as follows. At least this quote was as follows. I'm not going to fall into the trap of saying, wow, we had a horrible season. I know that our men's team would be ecstatic to be playing two games in the NCAA tournament. And Stanford, longtime Stanford athletic director Bernard Meir would be happy about it too. Damn. She don't care. <laughs> That's her indirect way of saying, I know what I got, and it's a whole lot better than what's around me. So I can see two more years of tar at Stanford. You can? <laughs> Damn. Most people, if they say that, that's like, you're not even getting next month. Oh, man, that was great. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Wait, this is truthfully one of the most legendary hey, things. Hang ever. On. This is an actual quote she said? I'm telling you something. I got to look up this video. I've got to look up the Do we video. have it? Do we have the sound? Because if so, it's not going to play on the Because uh, then I know it's not on false. On the audio. Let's see if I can find it. Let's oh, see if I can find it. Because then I know it. it's not false. Let's let's see if we can find it. See if we can find it right now. You got to say something. Um, he said, but, "Um, <laughs> after that, you got to find something." After that, oh man, I will this say, this can't be real. I will say, I don't know when the quote came, so I don't know like how much of this I'm supposed to listen to. That's all right. I'll I'll, I'll look at it later. I'll, I'll Somebody has it. to tell me. This I'll is 24 it. minutes. I'll find it. You think she said it right off the rip? Uh, no, nah, I don't think so. Really battled in the Let's second see. half. Uh, we kind of dug ourselves a hole, but um, you know, we battled back. Uh, we tied it up, and uh, Cam's I think made all of her free throws. I, uh, you know, really sad that our and I'll call on you. I think it's disappointing. I was proud of them. We thought you guys all of them. So yeah, and um, just be just not not feeling like you have to do it by yourselves. And I think both Cam. I think that this last part of it. I mean, just as. Uh, and she's five for eighteen. I think Talon did a phenomenal job. So we're we're, job we're trying to listen to the audio right now, guys. Really if you guys are listening to the weekends, audio experience of this, we're trying to find uh, the exact Mondays, moment Thursdays, when she said it, so we could play uh, it for the I, live I audience really right now. We're still trying to work through this press conference as we speak. And finish at the rim. So uh, Mondays, Thursdays, competition uh, in the in the in the conference is great, you know, um, but we we did not. Uh, we did not do what, and I think um, in our team meeting, like people said, you know, it's harder. But um, you know, I think that we have, uh, I think we have a lot coming back. You know, as far as look and identify how we can. Just to sort of follow up on that, Colt, and what do you need to uh, with Lauren? There's some. When you guys won a championship, you would all right, guys. All kind of not sure exactly where it is. I'm sure I can find this quote because I'm not gonna stop looking for it. Um, so. As far as what you know about Lindy and where she's possibly headed, that does give us one way to look at one side of the program, but there is a complete other side of the program, and they're losing some pieces. Yeah. And By the way, Lindy could say the exact same thing, and nobody here would be able to contest it. As far as what? Lindy could get up there and say, it wasn't a terrible season for us. Oh, I, it's interesting. They, she, she'd start looking around. The men team make the, the, the tournament? I, I, I didn't see them. I, I, I may have missed them when I walked in. I don't know. They might be here. Are they in the stands? Um, 
Harp's here, but he, you know. You're he, he, working he, he, on them not liking you. I get it. Um, <laughs> you know, so, and again, I don't, that's the thing. People always are like, oh, did you see what this person said? Half the time I'm like, well, did they back it up? Lindy could say that because she can back it up. She can show them, oh, really? If you have a problem with what I said, we've got, let's see, the winningest program or winningest season in program history, uh, back-to-back NCAA tournament appearances. Man, you can stop me whenever you want. Um, we got conference tournament championship. We got regular season. Oh, y'all ain't got none of that? Oh, okay. Um, yeah. I mean, again, like, every, it's the biggest uh, – it's not the biggest mystery because it all comes down to dollars at the end of the day. Right. And it's been no secret that football and men's basketball, revenue-wise, are the two biggest money generators. Women's basketball could go undefeated for 10 straight years. They are still, just because of how the, um, I guess the system is set up, women's basketball will just never seem to generate the income that the football program and the men's basketball program do. And that's pretty universal for almost any university. Which stinks because I think it should be based on performance. Like, I, I don't agree that the men's team should be pulling in way more money than the women's team. But at the end of the day, that's what's happening. I don't agree that a football program that has seen five bowl games in its entire existence should be generating the most amount of revenue in the athletic department. But that's what's happening. And so I think the, the, the time and the moment we figure out the model universally to where we say it's not just a prestige thing. It's not just a, oh, well, everybody watches football. Everybody watches men's basketball. When people tune in for performance and to watch good quality sports in general, the model's going to start changing because the, the advertisers and the sponsorship is going to start changing. And, and and Tara has always been somebody to, to, to speak her mind, and, and, and everything that you just said about UNLV is right, right? But – it's not just at UNLV, right? It's it's a couple of different places around this country. We know what the money makers are, uh, and, and I'm still k- kind of working in the background to see what if I could find um, this spe- this specific quote from Tara Vanderveer. Um, but you talked about it before. I mean, she's not wrong. That's the interesting part. Like, I, I think it's really interesting because she's not wrong, and that may be the difference between the Jim Beheim and the, the the coach K point. However, uh it's still a lash out and it's just we, we talk about it a lot. This is a person who doesn't have to do this. And she's won a lot. I I don't know man. All I'm saying is two more years. Lindy I have five years under her belt. We we know what the age would be for 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 Coach Tara, and I think it makes a lot of sense, dog. And not really to get too off track, but I another reason I really like what Tara said. She's, <laughs> she, I, I'm sorry. Another this re- is why I shouldn't do it at night. I know. I mean, the later we get at night, the more again, the more unpredictable and maybe off the rails we Complete start getting. Derail. But um, the biggest reason, honestly, why I liked what she said. She didn't necessarily insult the men's team or the athletic department. She's pushing them to do better. There's a difference. 
right. Now, I'm going to go back to a story that I've told on this radio show a million times. My dad, that's my guy. Um, I had a habit of, like, swimming super late when we had a pool. And I would, like, I would swim and then, like, during the day when it was hot, right? And then my cousins would come out of the house and be like, oh, we're going night swimming. Obviously, I'm not going to sit in the house. I'm going back outside and I'm night swimming. But I didn't already been in the house warm. I didn't shower. I didn't, you know what I mean? So I get back in the house. I got to get rewarm again. I got to shower again and wake up with the sniffles. I've told you guys a million times. My dad is that person 100% that would look me right in the face and be like, shouldn't have went swimming that second time. Who you think knows that more than me right now? Do I need to hear it right now? Did they need to hear that right now? Everybody knows that they would love to be playing there. Maybe. I mean, I would, again, I would love if Lindy popped off with a quote like that and challenged men's basketball to do better. Okay. We have to move on. Do we feel like she hasn't? though because lindy has said we've talked about it before lindy we, we talked about uh the unlv thanksgiving classic where we're trying to prep our team for three games in three days in march like we're prepping in january i mean july and uh november whatever the case may be now that's not a direct shot right could be but it's not a direct shot but it is a hint at scheduling she also doubled down later in the season by saying, well, that's why we schedule the conference, the non-conference the way we do. There are no cookie-cutter games. That was more of a direct shot. That was the shot. But, like, I, I don't know. I mean, that's, to me, I guess you could take that either way. You could say, well, that's more of just a, just a flat-out insult. <laughs> and, I, I, again, people are going to say Tara's was an insult. I can see that. I look at it more of like it's it's more of a challenge to do better for those programs. Like, you know, it, it it's that's at least how I view it. And I think when more programs in a school are doing TCU, for example, TCU's got it going great right now. I yeah, saw them. Cooking. I saw them playing Gonzaga last night. I was like, wait a minute, weren't they just playing in the college football national championship like two months ago? Yeah. And so. When more programs are doing well, everybody starts benefiting in that in that school because, you know, obviously it's more money for the the school. They get more television time, which again kind of leads to revenue, and so all of these things put together, yeah, Tara kind of has a, a point when she's saying do better because we just talked about the model and how it's designed. It's designed to do really well when football and men's basketball are doing really well. So I don't necessarily blame Tara for saying we, because maybe it could have even been something to where they've held practices with the men's team and she's seen the potential that's there and says, we all know they're capable of doing better. I wouldn't be mad at all if, if Lindy did the same thing, trying to get a little extra out of this men's team because Again, we say it every year. We said it this year. We said it this year with the men's team after the non-conference. We're like, whoa, damn, maybe this is the year they finally figured it out. And it's not Lindy's job to worry about that program over there. It's Kevin Kruger's job currently to worry about that program over there. 
And right now he has some other things on his table to deal with. He has both Keyshawns transferring away from this program. He has Keyshawn Hall, big guard, as well as KG, Keyshawn Gilbert. Uh, we talked about it earlier, his freshman year, obviously, right? At the end of his freshman year, if this program was able to secure Keyshawn Gilbert, this program could be heading, could be heading in a decent place. Now we get the news that Keyshawn Gilbert is transferring. This comes, I believe, a day or two after the news that Keyshawn Hall is transferring into the uh, or entering into the transfer portal with the expectation to transfer away from UNLV. I think they'll both have offers. I think they'll both have good offers, and I think they will get out of UNLV. Well, and to add to that list, Victory Waco is transferring. And there we go. There's another one. <laughs> that was later this afternoon, I guess. So There goes that. I'm going to steal a quote that my co-host texted to me earlier. UNLV is cooked next year. I, I look at this roster, and it's the same question I asked going into the season. Ironically enough, we're asking it going into next season. Who's going to be the leader of this team? The scary part is, if you asked that question literally last week, the first name would have been one of the Keyshawns, right? Yeah. Fair. Well, probably Gilbert. Keyshawn Hall's still That's pretty my young. Guess. Yeah. The second name probably would have been the other Keyshawn. They're both gone. This program appears to be in disarray. Because you're losing EJ Harkless. He has no more eligibility left. Same with Jordan McCabe. Same with Elijah Parquet, correct? Or does he have a fifth year? No, he is a fifth year. And I think Lou Rod, right? He's a senior, so I don't know if he has another year of eligibility. I'm, he may have it. I don't know. I, again, this this pro, this is kind of the consequence to what UNLV, the men's team, did. They went out before this year started, and they said, we're going to go heavy transfer portal. We're going to construct this team almost entirely of the transfer portal, and we're going to get all these older veteran guys that – didn't get a fair shake maybe at their old school or whatnot and didn't feel like they, they things were going according to planning in their eyes and they want another shot. I mean, Jordan McCabe's a great example of that. Yep. He went to West Virginia. He didn't get the playing time he thought he was going to get. He rode the bench a lot, comes to UNLV, gets all sorts of playing time, um, has kind of, you know, and obviously he's, he's at where he's at now. He played pretty well to end the year. But that's kind of the route that they chose to go is in terms of I guess average age of the roster it was fairly old if you think about it where you had all these older guys all these juniors all these seniors redshirt seniors that were just looking for the next chance the next chance available to them this is kind of the back end of that that nobody really it's there but nobody necessarily likes to talk about it is when we get to the end of the year and all of them start losing their eligibility because they've used up all the eligibility that's available to them. And, and I know a lot of the newer people to college basketball will just say, well, that's easy. Just go to the transfer portal and grab more. Yeah, probably. But again, I, I don't think right now UNLV, I've said it for a handful of years, they need to start by changing the culture, number one. I don't care who's on this roster. I don't care who's the head coach. It's a culture thing right now with UNLV basketball. They, it's the, if you notice, 
And not to say that the Lady Rebels were necessarily bad before Lindy got there. I thought KO did a pretty good job for what she had in front of her. But you could sense there was a culture shift with Lindy. That's where you could really start seeing the turnaround happen was, oh, no, there's a new culture being built to where losing's not acceptable. There's a certain expectation, and everybody in the program that wants to be part of the program is going to meet that expectation. Something similar has to happen for this men's program to really start talking about, because, I mean, UNLV fans have been talking about a rebuild, uh, whatever phrase they want to use for that year in terms of getting better for this men's program for probably the better part of a decade, you can't get better if your culture stays the same. You you may get one lucky year where, like this year, I think they got really lucky a lot of times in that non-conference slate where they they found their way and then the adrenaline ran out. And I think, to really start saying, okay, this program's back to where they should be. You have to change the culture. And by changing the culture, you start building consistency. Kevin Kruger. Joey, shout out to Joey Gallegos. He said something when he was here that I thought was really, really powerful. And I'm going to be honest, I, I think a lot of people missed it if it wasn't on their radar. <clears throat> he said he thinks Kevin Kruger could be a really good head coach. And my ears perked up instantly. Because I heard the could. And I said, okay, so y- you don't you don't think he's there yet? He said, I think mistake number one was, well, he had, he had two mistakes. I'll take that back. He said he had two mistakes. The first one was that he doesn't feel like he had enough experience as an assistant. Fair. I think his second point is even more fair. He said he feels like his first job shouldn't have been at his alma mater. Very fair. Yeah. Not to mention when your dad was uh, a rock star here. It's always (laughs) very tricky when you hire an alumni in sports. I, I more times than not, I've seen it not work out than do work out. Like it feels like Pat Ewan doing George at Georgetown. That made me sick, brother. It hurt me. Look how I mean. Look how it ended for Scott Frost at Nebraska as the head coach for football. And granted, that program gave him probably more time than he deserved, honestly. But they were trying to make that thing work as long as they could. And maybe something similar could be happening with Kevin. Where I mean, we were talking about it during the season. Like, do if I guess the question comes down to. If Kevin wasn't an alumni of UNLV, does he get canned after this year? I say that I would say the chances of that are higher that he does than he doesn't. I think the fact that he's an alumni is maybe one of the factors. I'm not going to say it's the factor, but it could be very well one of the factors that UNLV and Eric Harper are willing to be a tad more patient with him because at the end of the day, that's that it, it's almost like firing a family member you don't want to do that like you you want to make that work as much as you can but i do think like it would it, it may be a be, it may have been one of the differences along with some maybe some other things just with marcus arroyo and kevin Kruger in terms of situation marcus outside of being the head coach for unlv football didn't have an attachment to unlv prior 
So not to mention some other things. In a way, I mean, yes, there's gonna be some hard feelings just regardless, but there won't be as many because it's not Marcus's um, alma mater. I think UNLV is hoping this one works out for a lot of different reasons in terms of Kevin Kruger because he's got an attachment to this place far that goes beyond coaching. And I think, you know, you, you look at this program, I think Joey's right. I think this this athletic department in this program their best step forward, I, again, I'm talking in terms of before Kevin was hired, bef- you know, right when TJ left for Iowa State and there was a little bit of a vacancy there. Honestly, their best move would have been to go find somebody completely foreign to the program that doesn't have a dog in the fight. And while, yes, you could say, oh, well, Kevin, you know, played under the glory, quote unquote, good days of UNLV where they were winning games and winning consistently. You got to play for Lon, who did great things for the university. All that's true. But I would have rather somebody come in that's completely foreign to UNLV, has no ties, no attachments, and let them take this program, take this, you know, program in the direction they feel could be best. Because when you get too attached to a place you start falling back onto maybe some of those bad habits that need to be broken so (laughs) well I guess I have a question more than anything oh boy but nah I mean anything's fair game at this point for what we yeah I mean um, Mm -mm. you can say it Mm -mm. if you want you can ask it Mm -mm. I'll take my mind I changed my mind. I changed my mind. I changed my mind. But you sure this is mm-hmm. okay. <laughs> completely. Okay. I'm, I'm out of here. All right. Uh, what I will say is, we talked about it before. This program needs a, a reset, and, and for whatever it's worth, I did talk to Joey about um, I guess Kevin Kruger's job at this point, but. Remember, I, I talked to no, 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 no. Not like his job security, but like what his job is to do. Oh, okay. I was saying that, uh, and you know this very, very well. I, I actually said, and I brought up the point of Kevin Kruger, especially with him being a former UNLV alum. It was great for me to look up in the stands and see Anderson Hunt there, right? Um, I think it was just Anderson Hunt there, and. I say that to say we talked about it last year, and this is another clip that we need to go find. And I said the the Detroit Lions, or a couple years ago, are going to struggle until they fix those, until they correct those ghosts and address those ghosts, rather, that's in their hallways. The Barry Sanders, the Calvin Johnsons. There was a, a skeleton in their closet in Matthew Stafford. Dan Campbell comes in, brings Matthew Stafford in, says, hey, not going to talk you in the stand. The first thing out of his mouth. I'm sure Matt was like, what? I just need to know from you before I let you walk out the door, what do I need to do to fix this? Barry Sanders came next. Calvin Johnson came next. The Detroit Lions were the second best team in the NFC North this year. 
I'm a firm believer. This man's program. They got some ghosts roaming at roaming their halls. They gotta fix that. They, they've been needing to fix particularly that aspect of it, and it it's really. I guess how do I say this nicely? Stupid. No, just fine. No, I said nicely, not just <laughs> oh, in general. You did say that. It's really sad to watch when because you mentioned it. Um, I we see Anderson Hunt around all the time. I mean that guy, he feel it feels like he's all over the city at some point. Like he's yep. everywhere. Definitely at Las Vegas ballpark. Yeah, is he? Does he go to the ballpark a lot? Uh, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. He goes. Yeah, I mean, I've seen I, I, mainly because he posts everywhere he goes on Twitter, so it's easy to follow with where he goes. Um, but I mean, he's still showing out to the games. Like you said, you look in the stands. Has anybody heard from Stacy Ogman lately? Has anybody heard from you know Larry Johnson <laughs> lately? You know all these guys that you know are the you know really superstar alumni. You know part of that 1990s group that a lot of people like to talk about. Like oh, you know when when they talk about the '90 Rebels and whatnot that. All these players that stood out and that were great, you know, assets to the university and, you know, did great things. Nobody hears back. Nobody hears from them. And that I, I can tell you by talking to people, that's not a mistake. It is because, you know, and, and I've seen it happen at more than just here. And I don't know if it's a university thing. I mean, not a UNLV exclusive thing, but just a university in general, whether it's, I mean, we you saw it with Reggie Bush. USC did it for the longest time. And it, it, it took a matter of a couple years ago for USC to finally loosen the reins up a little bit. It's happened with Michigan, if you remember with the Fab Five. For the longest time, yeah, Michigan wanted nothing to do with the Fab Five when they left. They said, we don't want to even remember that they existed. And they, it took, again, about four or five years ago, they finally loosened that reins up when Jawan Howard was hired. And while, yes, Stacey Ogman at one point in time was an assistant head coach here at UNLV, there was a chance for Stacey to be the interim head coach while... Dave Rice was fired, and they were waiting till the offseason to formally look for their next head coach. And Todd Simon got the interim job instead of Stacey Ogman. And Joey and I, we talk about this a lot. I would not blame Stacey Ogman. I wouldn't blame Larry Johnson. I wouldn't blame a lot of these guys that used to play for UNLV that are alumni of the program. If they looked at UNLV Athletics calling them on their phone and they declined the call. Because, again, I, I don't think that the athletic department has done enough to keep those guys engaged with the university and make sure that they are respected for what they did, remembered for what they did, and treated as such. Because, again, it feels like they're very distant. And UNLV's had, just in recent years, had has had a number of op- 
you know, job vacancies, when it comes to their head coaching position, I always hear the name, but I never put a lot of substance behind it because I don't think it genuinely is going to happen. But the name that people start asking, well, well, why, why not this guy? That name's Stacy Ogman. People look at Stacy and they go, it makes a lot of sense. The pandemic was in 2020, right? Mm-hmm. Um, maybe this is just me, but that was the 30-year anniversary of the UNLV National Championship, right? The moment the next conference home game we would have recognized that team. That's my opinion. That's what I do. But to be here on this campus, to have gone here, to hear so much about that lone national title, I told you guys before, before Don Sullivan, before if you want to talk about that national championship from UNLV, before that, from the men's team, before that, you had to talk to Dwayne Knight in the golf program. I was sports editor for the school and was like, oh, Dwayne Knight, that's the last time that this team has something to, that, that this program, or excuse me, that this campus has something to uh, hold over everybody else's head in terms of national champs. I think those ghosts need to be addressed. I think they will be addressed. But while they attempt to do that, at least I'm hoping, uh, Sweet 16 is set for both brackets, Houston and Miami, Miami, Florida, of course. Uh, Xavier, Texas, Arkansas. Let me actually do it with a little bit of cadence. Houston and Miami, Florida. Xavier in Texas. Arkansas, UConn. Gonzaga, UCLA. Kansas State, Michigan State. Hmm. Florida Atlantic, Tennessee, Creighton and Princeton. Who would have thought, right? Alabama and SDU. SDSU, excuse me. I didn't do that on purpose, I swear. SDSU. Um, I just got to talk about Fairleigh Dickinson one more, to- one more time. I gave Adira all that flack. And in my heart of hearts, I couldn't wait to this segment of the show to say, didn't I tell you guys Purdue was going to lay an egg? Did I predict this egg would come in the round of sixty-four? No, no, sir. I was about to say. I didn't. I didn't know if I didn't know if they would. I didn't think the Elite Eight was obviously an option, but Sweet Sixteen. I was. I would even be uh, leaning towards this team wouldn't make it to the Sweet Sixteen day one of the actual tournament. I didn't expect that. I was about to ask. You, you got the perfect bracket. <laughs> Stop it. Nobody else in the world has it. And we're gonna get to my dad's tip in too because my dad. Mentions his bracket and his tip-in, and his bracket is uh, obviously with the rest of the world that is um, in the trash. Yeah, I I looked at the the couple pools that I'm in, and I'm like, you know, at this point, I'm just scrapping for points. I like I just that was doing it in the pick'em league last year. Like I'm just trying to bad, ma- get the best finish out of this. Like it maybe it maybe a few losses in the opening round just means I'm gonna have a better back half of the tournament. Maybe. And Las Vegas gets to host 
a couple of games during this regional semifinal and final. Do you know which which two games they have? Yes. It I has. Do. I do. Go ahead and let the people know. For one, Creighton and... Oh, no, we don't. We have Creighton. We do not. I could have swore Vegas had Creighton. We do not. We are on the opposite side of the bracket. I thought Vegas was in the West region. And I was hope we are. And I was hoping that you were wrong. Unfortunately. I could We have Arkansas and Yukon. Really? And we have Gonzaga and UCLA. Yeah, that's what I say, Gonzaga. You said Creighton. Oh, you're right. <laughs> I had Creighton. If I, if we had Creighton and Princeton, how how sick do you think Vegas fans would be? We should get Bama and SDSU, right? Yeah. Nothing beats this Gonzaga and UCLA game, right? To me, that's going to be the game of the the round. We're gonna. That's going to be the best game of this round. All I'm going to say is this, and I swear, let's move topics now. Let's move on. Las Vegas bet better hope that Eric Musselman don't come out of this region. Who does he have? Bama? No. He's he's at Arkansas. They have number four UConn, and then they would get the winner of Gonzaga, UCLA. Y'all better hope that Eric Musselman does not come out of this region in the NCAA tournament, a tournament that T.J. Otzelberger was a part of. Not for long. He was a part of it. Yeah, that's true. UNLV? Better get it together. I mean, you use TJ and UNLV in the same sentence. That's still a little bit of a sore spot for for some people. I mean, to be honest with you, I I just I didn't like the way he did it in certain in certain aspects. It's not a soft spot for me, I, but I I do like to reopen the wound because it is a soft spot for everybody else. Like it, it appears to be a super soft spot for this uh, city, and I think the more that he's actually successful at, at Iowa State, it makes people more upset. Um. Now we can we can slowly transition actually into some football. Ironically enough, we are in hour number two, and this is where I wanted to start. Uh, but let's talk a little bit about the Raiders. Uh, oh wait, knew that was gonna happen. The women's side of the bracket. We have games left. We had we in the Greenville. Okay, I'm gonna start all Greenville in the Greenville one side of the bracket. We got number one through number four all having made it. We got South Carolina against UCLA. We have Notre Dame against Maryland. We have LSU against Utah. We have Miami, Florida against Villanova. Both Miami teams pulled off big upsets. Um, Just wow. Wow when you when you really understand what's going on with that run because everybody had every year we we see this happen we see a run uh speaking of a run Ole Miss ended Stanford's run that's the reason why we got that Tara soundbite Ole Miss now has Louisville Colorado has Iowa State UConn against Ohio State Virginia Tech and Tennessee so um right now I'm gonna move into some football I said that we're moving into the Raiders really quick. We just got some signings to, to, to discuss. Um, and then we have some big news to discuss. I don't know if – well, I know we didn't do it on the last show, but uh, this is the time that we're going to take 
uh, an, an opportunity to do it, but um, I don't think I don't think it happened the last show. But anyway, let's talk about some of the signings for the Raiders. We talked about Jimmy Garoppolo. He got some new targets to throw to as well. He has Jacoby Myers on a three-year deal. He has Philip Dorsett as well. Um, I I know I know there's some other moves that were made, but let's go ahead and get. I'm, I'm hopping around a little bit, but the Raiders also re-signed Amir Abdullah, Brandon Parker, Roderick Teamer, Brandon Parker. They signed just or excuse me, Jermaine Illuminor. They picked up Jordan Willis from uh san francisco they also signed jaquan johnson who's a safety <clears throat> pardon in addition to that um robert spillane and i mentioned marcus epps as well and brandon facing um that's i'm like i say the new look raiders but that's the way that the raiders are shaping up at this present moment but a lot of the core that the raiders thought that they were going to have has changed a lot this offseason. Uh, let, let me start here. Josh Jacobs gets franchise tagged. I know we're only reading tweets, but Josh still don't look happy. <laughs> it doesn't appear that Josh is happy. Uh, Derek Carr is no longer a Raider, right? February 14th, he was released, and he is now a New Orleans Saint. Um, Josh Jacobs also wasn't too happy after a month later, literally a month later, Darren Waller was traded to the New York Giants for a third round pick, which ends up being pick number 100. Um, so much has come out since that, obviously. And this is going to be something that's talked about throughout the offseason. OTAs, things of that nature. What comes of it? Probably nothing. We we're seeing it a little bit with the Las Vegas Aces, right? And this one ironically ties into the Las Vegas Aces. One of the bigger uh things that are that 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 has kind of uh surfaced from this uh shocking trade, I guess you can say. Um Darren Waller wasn't too happy that the news of him and he and Kelsey Plum's uh soon to be marriage, which I believe it was either a day prior or a day before, or a day uh, coming up. Uh, it was somewhere within like a two-day forward or backward window. Um, they weren't happy with the announcement from head coach Josh McDaniels during the combine. And I just want to interject here with my opinion to say, that's the more frustrating part for me in this only because it was at the scouting combine. If I'm Darren, why are you even talking about me, Doug? Dodge some questions. You know what you're there for. Kelsey Plum also kind of, I'm not going to say broke some news, but she mentioned that, um, he also wasn't invited into the wedding, or also wasn't invited to the wedding. Wonder why. Speaking about Josh McDaniels. 
if that's the case, Josh McDaniels is also really big on family. I talked about that this year. Where was that? In terms of Josh McDaniels, after seeing everything this offseason that's transpired, my consensus on Josh McDaniels is, well, you better hope it's this year. Because I can't see next year. He'll only get this year. Exactly. If he doesn't have it figured out this year, there's no more excuses. Because you could even go back and say last year, well, Derek wasn't completely bought in. He's not necessarily my guy. You got your guy now in Jimmy G. A guy that you've developed pretty much since Jimmy G got into the league. You know, if you go back to the New England days. This is essentially your guy. You got rid of Darren Waller to probably replace with your guy. Which they did today. I'm happy that you said that. Did you hear they picked up? I did not. So before I get to that, excuse me, before I get to that, the Raiders, Darren Waller is a special talent. The Raiders Raider Nation is going to be sick watching Darren Waller do what he's going to do in that NFC East. I also think that there are very few people that you would even want to line up after Darren Waller. And I think Foster Moreau is a pretty good guy. I also think the guy that they signed in OJ Howard is a pretty good guy. I would say yes. But he's also no Darren Waller in terms of, I, I mean, again, Darren Waller, when healthy, in my opinion, is still a top five tight end in this league, undoubtedly. You said Darren Waller? Yes. Darren Waller is a, tight, is a top three tight end. I was going to say top three, but I went with top five to be a little more on the, he's on the safe side. He's a three tight end. I, I, that's where I'm at. And with whenever it. he's fully healthy? He may be one of the best. He's number two. And, and the only man better than him is Travis Kelsey. Sorry, George. I mean, as I'm looking at this Raider team, and ironically enough, when I look at the Giants, the team that Waller was traded to, it's hard not to say the Giants don't have a better team than the Raiders because they absolutely do right now. Not to mention they went to the postseason. Uh, I typed in Foster, Foster Moreau's name, obviously, right? There's so much movement from NFL offseason to NFL offseason. Some NFL analysts believe that the Cincinnati Bengals would be a great match for Foster Moreau. Some people are questioning if Foster Moreau is headed to New Orleans. Obviously, Derek Carr went, or yeah, is now a Saint. Do me a favor. Tell me where Foster Moreau is from. New Orleans. Good job. One more question. Tell me what college he went to. LSU. Ta-da. And I don't know, man. It looks like Foster Moreau is not coming back to Vegas at the very least. Can this team afford to lose Foster Moreau? I would go get him. <laughs> I mean, I, I at this point, I'm gonna be honest. I have no idea what this what, what this front office is thinking. I just we're just gonna see. Shout out to shout out to Sean Reed uh, from the Athletic. He said it uh, after the Darren Waller trade. I think he let it, but maybe sit in for maybe an hour, and he was like, "Yeah, um, without a doubt, this Raider offseason." has provided nothing but regression. Do you think then... And now some signings have happened. 
do you think that Josh McDaniels makes it to the end of the year? I hope. Could you see him very... And I say I hope only because... I hope for his sake, rather. Because obviously I don't have a dog in the fight, but... I would like to see him get two full seasons, even if it's a piss poor season. I know Raider Nation would would say what they would say about it, but in a weird way for me, I, I think at least Mark Davis can say, "I gave you two full ones, dog. I gave you two full ones. One with what I believe was already an established team, and then two when I let you do what you were doing." What happens if this team starts two and seven? I made this face right here. I don't know, Matt. I don't know. Damn it. I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I don't think they. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. And let's move on. It's not football season. Uh, at least in the NFL. Um, but it is football season in the XFL. And the Vipers have a W. The uh, Vipers officially have a W. And you were going to say something negative still because that's just who you are. I thought about it. Thought better of it, actually. You have no home training, Matt. This is this is not okay. I don't I don't think you're. I've actually met your parents, Matt, and this is not who they raised. Nope. You're getting completely unhinged, Matt. Here, um, I was about to say, what's up? That it's about damn time they got it done, huh? No, I, I think Rob Wilson would also tell you the same exact thing, and I, I, it's not solely on him, right? But I, I also think that it, a lot of it hinges. On quarterback Luis Perez, 20 for 28, 269 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. He also wasn't sacked, so Vegas did a great job of protecting him. Not to mention they were playing the only other winless team in the XFL. But that doesn't matter at this point. None of that matters right now because Luis Perez, we saw it earlier in the year, I believe week one specifically, uh, not look the best, right? We've seen some second halves when he's looked not great. And now you have this game where he puts together an entire game. You get you get the first dub for Vegas, and now you move on to take on St. Louis with A.J. McCarron. Saturday, March 25th, 4 p.m. That's the second of three straight home games. This team is 1-4 right now. They're still last in the North, but you talk about stacking wins, right? This is an opportunity to do it. You're heading to St. Louis. Do I like their chances? Not really. But maybe it helps to know that St. Louis is 3-2. Vipers are an expansion team, right? This entire league is an expansion league, right? Oh, it is. None of these, <laughs> none of these teams were around last year. No. Okay. Because I was going to – I was about to say, if it was just Vegas that was an expansion team – my response was going to be, well, it's probably what an expansion team should look like realistically in the first year. So explain why DC is 5-0. and But when you mention the entire league's in expansion, I can't really use that one anymore because everybody's on the same playing field. You would think, not to mention the Houston Roughnecks are 4-1 and on the south side of the standings. Um... IFL starts this weekend. Indoor football. 
Indoor football starts this weekend. The Vegas Nighthawks officially kick off their season Saturday, this Saturday, March 25th, 7 p.m. from the Dollar Loan Center. It's lit. I might be able to make that game, actually. It should be fun, man. I'm excited to see what this group looks like, what this new group looks like. They were actually at the last home game for the G- NBA G League Ignite, which we're going to get to before the show's end. Um, you want to know some other IFL news that I think you're going to like? What's up? The IFL has now been approved for sports betting. I do like that. As somebody that got, I guess I'll say the clearance on that recently, it's lit. The IFL is so high scoring. Can you imagine those over unders? Oh Can you imagine those bad oh beats? What do you What do you set the number? Ninety six. Yeah, that's probably about <laughs> and right. This is a football game, and, and people may look. At, I might look at that and go. Over. Yeah. <laughs> I might think for a second and be like, ah, nah, it's still. Let me let me try to give you guys a reference point. Let me see if I can find this. I saw one. I this saw, Nighthawk schedule. I remember one game they had last year. I think both teams scored in the 50s. We're, we're, yeah. Was it a Nighthawk game? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, we're getting to I'm sorry. That. Just relax. <laughs> now, Just that's, relax. The, I mean, do to the IFL's credit, that championship game, even though we didn't have a dog in the fight, was great. That was a great football game. 100% great. We'll do that again. So now I'm just doing some quick math just to run through it. Uh, some of these point totals from these games, I got 87. I have 80. I have 87. Okay. I have 59. It's not bad. Okay. I got 90. At 91, I have 72, I have 113, I have 98. There you go, Matt. I have an 80 in here, too. To me, the number would be 90 and a half. That would be the line. So that game, that was 58 is insane. And, and we talked about it before. The Nighthawks participated in the lowest scoring game of the IFL season, and it was actually their inaugural matchup. They beat Northern Arizona 22-9, the eventual IFL champs. I don't know, man. Uh, Speaking of I don't know, what has Jack Eichel been eating? And I feel like this is the second straight time that I've started a show by talking about a particular player and what they've been eating. But we talk about Jack Eichel needing to be the best player when it matters most for this team, and he's definitely done that as of late. Most recently with this hat trick game. I keep trying to tell people this is a different team. Like that team, that Knights team you saw before the All-Star break kind of doesn't exist. Well, parts of that team, I should say, because they had a great start to the year. I, I don't think the start should get lost in what happened in the handful of games before the All-Star break. I think... Vegas is doing exactly what they need to do. Everybody's stepping up a little bit more. Um, There was a stretch not all that long ago that people were kind of wondering what happened to Jack Eichel, what got into him. He's not, you know, scoring as much as he used to. He's not the same type of player. 
nah, he was just cooling the Jets a little bit. He he's back. Um, he's been back for a bit too. Mm-hmm. And really, I mean, this is kind of what Vegas has done all year. Because if you look at what they did Thursday, which was not great, I ain't gonna sit here and say it was. I don't think you can. Nope. Uh, not even gonna try. <laughs> um, this team has been particularly good at responding to losses and responding accordingly. I think, again, maybe it was was just the sheer fact that they had an extra day off compared to what they've normally played, where typically they've played a game every other day, especially down the stretch. In this instance, they played on Thursday and then not again until Sunday. So they got Friday off before practicing Saturday and obviously a game on Sunday. And... You could tell they the team kind of needed a little bit of an extra rest just to kind of get everything reset and recharged because they, uh, you know, after giving up seven on Thursday, they gave seven to Columbus. Um, on Three the of them came off the stick of Jack Eichel. Two of them came in the second period. Third one came, obviously, in the third period and uh, did something pretty cool in, in terms of taking a hat home. Um he was asked about it after the game, and he said that it was brought to his attention. I forgot who he said brought to, brought it to his attention. Bruce. Bruce did it. Yes. Interesting. Bruce said it was something they did in Boston where the guy would pick out whatever hat they liked. You hang it up in the locker room, dressing room, wherever, and maybe the player signs it, you know, something like that. And then as the years go on, you kind of have that hat hanging there to remember it. I don't think anything beats that. I'm taking my hat home, dog. Are you crazy? I'm going to have a wall full of hats. Um, but as I said before, it came with him being Vegas' best player, and it came on a night where the night opened up with a power play goal for Vegas, one of two on the night, and then it gets even sweeter with the cherry on top when you realize that Phil Kessel was the one who lit the lamp. Um, are you ready to talk about Alex Petrangelo? Alex has been... Quiet. Well, I shouldn't say quietly because he's. Even if it's been quietly, I'm about to change it right now. He's been playing really well, and maybe he's somebody. I guess instead of the term "quietly," playing kind of under the radar when you are, are playing with you know players like a Jack Eichel, a Mark Stone when he's healthy, some of these bigger hitter guys. Like I, I don't think necessary you know Alex Petrangelo gets all the love he kind of deserves at times because he kind of not through any fault of Alex I just think he kind of gets lost in the mix a little bit when you have all these big you know kind of big names on one team I mean on any other team Alex Petrangelo is probably talked about a little bit more but on Vegas he's not talked about all that much but yet you look at what he did yesterday he had four assists which led the team in points for the game it was not Jack Eichel that led the team in scoring. It was, in terms of points, it was Alex Petrangelo because he had four assists. Eichel obviously second on that list with three points, three goals. You know, anybody that's new to hockey, you get a point for a goal, you get a point for an assist. So that's how they determine that type of stuff. And the interesting thing about this particular one, right, in terms of Alex Petrangelo. I'm not leading in the best spot, but whatever. He had four assists over the last two months. Four combined assists over the last two months. His previous career high, which he had matched several times, was three. 
He had three assists in the second period alone. He had a career-high four assists on the night. The Knights do not win this game without him. Mm. I wouldn't go that far. I think they can win this game, but I don't think it's as convincing. And if it was maybe, it's going to sound bad. I think if it was anybody else but Columbus, I might put more stock into what you said. But Columbus is kind of one of those teams that you don't necessarily need to play your best game to win the game comparatively to other teams in this league. Now, with that being said, this is still a very competitive league as a whole. And I mean, the, the good teams still need to win and the, you know, bad teams are going to do what the bad teams do, but sometimes the bad teams do win in this league. Um, you know, statistically you can look at a team and say, Oh, well they're, they're not having the year that they probably expected. They're not doing well and all, but they still, you know, pull out, wins occasionally you know how hard it is for anybody to be all over the ice alex petrangelo was all over the ice and that's why i say this this win doesn't happen without him only because you said it before we've seen this team play down the competition so if that's the case i talked about the energy that phil kessel obviously anytime he's he's able to uh, get a goal it it it, it kind of incites this group and you start the game with that. And then you get Alex Petrangelo that is literally involved in every successful play that lights the lamp. Essentially every um, – why, why am I getting confused? Essentially every uh, scoring play that lit the lamp, for whatever reason, he was in a, a, a healthy hand of those with his four assists. So I, I think with this group uh, – and interestingly enough, he came into the game with, what, 32 assists on a year? And we had completed how many games? Uh, there's like 12 games to go in the season. 70. So we had com- so we had completed 69 games, and he had 32 assists. Has for a 7-2 win. You talked about it before. Coming off of a loss where they give up seven, uh, the other way, th- th- this group continues to uh, shine after the All Star break. This team is first in the Pacific Division. They are 43-21 and six on the year. They have 92 points in that Pacific Division. The L.A. Kings are sitting right behind them with 90. Edmonton is sitting right behind them with 86. That's Joey's team to watch. My team to watch is Seattle Kraken Air sliding the opposite direction. They have 83 points now since the Knights are back in first place. I know they've been there for a while, but I haven't done it for a while because the gap between first place and second place and third place, even in fourth, was pretty tight. But now that it's a little bit, a, a, a little bit stretched out in terms of that league, the Knights are now tied for fifth in the NHL in the points category. They're tied with the New York Rangers. Just to give you an idea of where the Knights sit currently. Well, in terms of where they sit currently, they probably sit on a hotel bed because they're headed to Vancouver. That game will take place tomorrow at 7 p.m. You guys can catch it on ESPN+. Plus. All three of their road games you guys can catch on ESPN+. Plus. That opens up a three-game Canada road trip. I know I said it before. This road trip is huge. Especially now. This road trip is huge. Because if you look at who's on the road trip, Vancouver, who I'm pretty sure is a divisional opponent, Calgary, which is, I believe, a divisional opponent, and Edmonton, who is definitely a division opponent. All three of those teams you want to beat. 
getting to overtime, particularly, I would say, with Edmonton of all teams. Calgary, too. They're, Calgary's kind of in the mix somewhere. They're, they're, I think, fourth or fifth in the standings. They're relatively in the conversation. I think, for one, I think Vegas is going to open the trip up with a win. I, I, I don't see, if they're going to lose a game, I don't think it's the opener. I think they're more talented than Vancouver. This team is playing well. They've got good, whatever you want to call it, built mojo. up. Yeah, I, that, that works. Um, they've got good mojo built up. Um, I think they take care of game one of this road trip. Game two against Calgary, I'm at about a 50-50. I could see either way. I could I could see a spot where Calgary comes in and controls the game because it's a tough place to play. We, we talked about this before, and we've done a pretty good job. We got long-winded on the college basketball portion of the show. No better time to get long-winded in college basketball than when it's in March, so I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that. But the way that this show is shaped up, we may sit at about an hour and 50 minutes because it's looking like we're, we're right lined up with that two uh or with that 12 o'clock mark we'll see what happens that's about 20 more minutes and i have some other topics to get to we'll see if we get all the way through them um the ignite had a game earlier today um this group went on the road to stockton did i say today uh yes i think you did yesterday I, I told you all my days are running together. It was yesterday. Yesterday, had a game. Um, a 30-point loss to the best team in the West. Um, they ended up losing 120 to 90. Uh, they only had 10 players available. And now we are getting to the nitty-gritty of the season, obviously. Scoot Henderson hasn't played in a handful of games. Going back to what I said earlier in the year, it's appearing that Scoot is – Done for the season. Done for the year. It's looking like it's done for the year. I talked to Scoot at the last home game, and I was like, you just you just rested? And he was like, yeah. In my mind, I was like, yeah. You'll be doing that for the rest of the season. Um, the Igniter eliminated from postseason contention. There's no reason for Scoot to risk injury. Um, I got news today that Leonard Miller is now in health and safety protocols. So there's only like four games left in their year. Isn't do it? we believe that he's in health and safety protocols or do we believe that that's his way of resting as well? I was going to say the latter of those options, but may I, it could be, I love this job. Dog. It could be honestly, because I know the NBA has really cracked down on this with a lot of the NBA teams in terms of teams get creative when they want to rest a guy. They can't just put on the injury report rest because then the NBA gets all mad. They're like, uh, you can't do that. You got to play. So they maybe fake an injury to a degree. Not not the player. Yeah, yeah, no, nah, I get but you. The, but the description of it. Like the team could come out and say, oh, well, Scoot has a non-COVID illness that he's dealing with. And leave it at that. Who's going to argue that? Or you want to get close enough to Scoot to test it? Not even that. Go ahead. <laughs> Not even that. Let's say that Scoot walks in and is like, oh, man, like I didn't necessarily get the best night's sleep. There you go. Got, got Sore a, back. Sore back. Boom. Crazy how life works. Going to miss How the are you going to prove that? He could have slept funny. He has a sore back. Could have slept funny. You know, it, 
And that's the thing. Like, these teams understand this, especially at the NBA level. I don't know if it carries over to the G League. It may to a degree. Um, They know how to label an injury without saying – or label rest without labeling it rest because they know if they put just, you know – Coach's decision, rest, something like that. The league starts getting mad. The league, the league, the league don't like that. So it's similar to what Jason Hart said earlier in the year, which with with Scoot Henderson learning to schmooze the refs. This is team's way to schmooze the league. I won't even. I wouldn't even say it's the the ignites way to schmooze the league. It just happens in general with the NBA. Like again. A lot of times we get these injury reports, and I think the consensus is, which isn't a bad consensus, is a lot of times we just kind of have to take the team at their word because they've got medical professionals that work for the team, far more experienced than you know the average fan. Yeah, they probably do know a little bit more than the average fan and the average person looking at that injury report. So until proven wrong, I might have to just take you on your word. Whether or not I believe you is a different story, but you clearly have more experience, and if he's got a sore back, well, I guess he's got a sore back. Well, at this point of the season, too, you just talked about it. It's four games left. Oh, hell. How many games is left now that I think about it? Can't be more than five, right? Three games. No, it's definitely not more than five. Uh, three games left, I believe it is. Um, This group, we know what it's made for. And we've said it all year long. Um, the interesting thing is, I don't think anybody would question if Scoot and, Hen- and, and, and Henderson, if Scoot Henderson and Leonard Miller uh, were sitting out the remainder of the year. Um, however, let's just get to the game. Obviously, the the, the Ignite only played ten players. Um, team play. This is what I always used to tell my middle schoolers, especially if a team is is is. Uh, Playing with 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 a shorter rotation, we rotate that ball a lot more, and we get them moving on defense a lot more, and that's exactly what Stockton did. What if I told you Stockton had more assists than the Ignite had Mayfield goes? I would say I'm not surprised with this Ignite team because I have learned do not rule any and all outcomes out when it comes to the G League Ignite because we've seen this team up big. And blow it. And this is the thing, too. This is our first year here covering uh, the Ignite. Obviously, the Ignites, their their first year here with a with a home base is here in Henderson, Nevada. Um, and just in my in my watching of the G League, um, big leads are lost a lot, and we've seen it obviously both ways in this G League. Um, Different, obviously, when we know this group inside and out a little bit, but um, 35 assists from Stockton versus 33 made field goals for the Ignite. The Ignite had 13 assists on the night. Jordan Ford alone had 10 assists for Stockton. Just to kind of put into perspective the way that they were beat from almost every angle, uh, they they allowed Stockton to kind of – shoot at will they definitely shot at will from the three they made 40 percent of their three pointers while making 40 percent of their total uh field goal percentage (laughs) what is that seven yeah i thought so 
this group has already been eliminated from postseason contention. This group sits with an 11 and 19 record. This group has one more home game this season. The home finale will be on Thursday when they take on the Oklahoma City Blues 7 p.m. They are 5 and 10 at home this year, but as I said before, they're headed into the home finale. Uh talk to as I said before, I talked to the team today and I have an interview with CD Sissoko coming up. So we going we we're going to get CD's done. And then with the season ending, we're going to contact Scoot's agent. We're going to contact Leonard's agent. And we're going to try to get those stories completed prior to the NBA draft, considering um, things are about to ramp up for those guys. So I'm excited to see where it's going. Um, this group made strides this year, and it's not over yet. They, they still have an opportunity to uh, right some wrongs. And the first wrong that they need to right is this three-game losing streak that they are riding. Um, John Morant I told you last time we talked John Morant was working on a suspension Everybody kind of knew it was coming uh, At least I feel like they people, most people knew it was coming uh, was Suspended for eight games With time served Meaning that he had already completed six of those games And the playoffs are coming up So John ja was going to be back in the postseason Right That's yeah. just, that's, that's just going to happen uh, going back to the Ignite really quick, Mojave King, 15 points, 10 rebounds, took every single rebounding opportunity away from Eric Mika, but Eric Mika still led the team in scoring with 16 points from his starting center position. Played 21 minutes. John Jenkins played five minutes. Just kind of give you guys an idea of this team struggling uh, to, to find some offense in this 30-point loss. We got some baseball news, and then we can get out of here. Um, oh, baseball news, and then my dad's tip in. Then we'll get out of here. I don't know who tweeted it, but the world has been on fire ever since the person tweeted it, saying that nobody cares about the World Baseball Classic. It's meaningless games. They're meaningless games that nobody remembers. I'm going to catch some flack. I'm going to catch some flack. Um... I disagree that they're meaningless. They're not. Now, as far as it not being rememberable, it's only not rememberable for us. Us being the U.S. The USA won the World Baseball Classic in 2017. Pardon. However, prior to that, the U.S. was fourth in 2009. That's it. No more placements. So this is one of those moments that I hate that other countries can look at us and say, look at you guys being so pompous, being so loud and wrong. This is why. Whoever tweeted that said that this was meaningless and pointless and things of that nature. Because the U.S. isn't good at it. Haven't been good at it, right? Let's say that. I had a conversation with somebody recently and I said, well, 
we talk about basketball, right? And this is going to be a, 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 a racy topic for a quick second. But um, speaking of racy topics, I tried to get Matt to wear a do-rag on the show, and he wasn't going for it. I tried to create some fire content for you guys. True story. Um, that, that definitely happened. Um, but I was talking to somebody about this, and I said at the end of the day, the U.S. may not find it memorable, or memorable, excuse me, may not find things to remember about it because the U.S. simply doesn't have great memories about it. Because the U.S. dominates in a sport like basketball, right? I remember asking Kyle Kuzma and Brooke Lopez about people saying that the U.S. sent their C team. How y'all feel about that, dog? Like, y'all are NBA players like everybody else, but more of conversation has been on who's not here rather than who is here. And both obviously gave us the answer that they gave us. And then what happens? They go to Tokyo. They lose their first exhibition. The world flips, including the U.S. Everybody flips. Oh, man, it's all over. I remember telling everybody while covering that Olympic game, the U.S. will still take home this gold medal. Might be ugly. They might have a a single-digit win in there, but they're going to do it. It's not the same with baseball. You can't afford to not send your stars. We'll talk about this year. Mookie Betts is there. Mike Trout is there. Nolan Arenado is there. I can continue to go. Paul Goldschmidt is there. JT Real I can keep going. Trey Turner is there. So I'm naming these names, these superstar level names in, in, in Major League Baseball. For I'm, I'm foreshadowing a little bit. And the U.S. is in the championship game. When I was speaking with that person, the, the, the person gave me something that I really thought was interesting. They said, when we think about these other countries, and this is where I said it gets racy, we think about those other countries that participate in the World Baseball Classic. You look at some of the stars that are your stars of baseball. Let's just talk about some of our favorite athletes that we've seen in baseball. I don't know why two Boston Celtics came to mind. Manny Ramirez and David Ortiz. Just to kind of throw it out there. Jazz Chisholm, who is on top, who is on front the front of uh MLB twenty three, is not from here. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is not from here. Fernando Tatis Jr. is not from here. And we can continue to go down the line. And the person brought up a brilliant point. They said, Well, here in the US. The people who have to reach to a sport to uh, climb out of those areas of poverty oftentimes is basketball and football here. We don't have an Olympic football game to worry about, but does anybody question if the USA would win? It's not the same for baseball. It's not the same for soccer. That's why the FIBA World Cup in turn, or the, excuse me, the FIFA World Cup means nothing to Americans. You want to talk men's soccer with an American? 
That'd be a short conversation. But I think that narrow-mindedness of saying, oh, nobody cares about that, is the reason why other countries hate us. Because this matters to a lot. I know a lot of Dominican women. I know a lot of Puerto Rican women. When they played, I hit up a couple of them. Dog, do you watch baseball? They were like, no. Couldn't care less. But I know that site gets to shut up now. That happened. I wish I knew who tweeted it. Anywho, speaking of, I, I was I was speaking to that particular person and I was telling them, I was like, yeah, well, the U.S., they shocked me, but a couple of days ago, I was like, well, the U.S., I mean, the U.S. just, they're not going to beat teams like Mexico. They're not going to beat a team like Japan. It's just not going to happen. They're going to win some games. I just don't think that those other countries, I just don't think that they're ready for. I think that, and this goes back to what I said before about uh, 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 USA Basketball, maybe you could get through LeBron not not going. Maybe you can get through uh, your best players in your league like Joel Embiid, Giannis Antetokounmpo, and Luka Doncic playing for other countries. But you still need buy-in from your American top talent. Paul George didn't play. Kawhi Leonard obviously didn't play. You think about a lot of different names for the American side that did not play. We as a country can't afford that in baseball. These other countries have buy-in. There's a reason why the USA will see Japan in this championship game. I, I, I watched, and I asked somebody this. I got a good chuckle out of it, but I was at work a couple weeks ago, maybe last week, and Japan and Korea was on. And I remember I had just walked in, and maybe I had just made a drink, whatever the case may be. Made a drink, and I looked up, and I watched Shohei hit a homer. And the fun thing about the bar to me, I pick random people at the bar to talk to. They don't even know. I don't even know who I'm going to talk to. And I looked at the dude sitting in front of the TV. And I said, dog, are you watching this game? And excuse me, guys, I'm about to curse. He said, yeah, Japan's kicking ass. I looked around. I said, and who wants to see them? Got all the confidence in the world and guys like Mike Trout, Mookie Betts, and things of the nature, things of that nature. I don't know, man. I, I don't want to say that you ran into a buzzsaw, but Japan looks scary. Not to mention the US with Trey Turner, walk-off grand slam against Venezuela, a walk-off win for Japan against Mexico to get to the championship game. These two teams couldn't have had a more emotional roller coaster to get to get here tomorrow 7 p.m miami florida you couldn't have a better backdrop i cannot wait to watch it not even gonna lie to you um big league weekend also wrapped up here in vegas colorado and kansas city kansas city took took the first matchup by three eight to five from las vegas ballpark while the second matchup went in favor of the colorado rockies seven to zero that one only went six innings. Anytime we talk about the Colorado Rockies, now coming to Vegas, you get to talk about Chris Bryant. And it's always fun to see the media circus that surrounds Chris Bryant when he's here. Um, 
just from the things that I've been told about uh, Chris, because I've never had the pleasure of meeting, at least talking to him myself. Um, hmm. What I've said about Asia is what people like Jim Jimma and people here in Vegas, Brian Salmon has said it, there isn't a nicer guy than Chris Bryant. And we know baseball is different, right? And and superstardom changes. And Chris may not have all the eyes and the star power that he had when he was a Chicago Cub, right? But go around to a couple of clubhouses in, in, in at the major league level, and they will tell you that Chris Bryant is a star in this league. To see him be so sought after anytime he comes to Vegas and to see him be so receptive and responsible with that um, task, I guess I could say, and that duty. Um, I'm, I'm not even going to lie. I, I admire things like that. I told you before I admired Josh McDaniels at the end of every press conference, win, lose, or draw would go straight to his family and ask if they enjoyed the game, ask what his kids ate. Like those were things to me that I thought were super dope. And to see Chris continue to have those moments here in Vegas, whether it's a, a, a rehab stint, whatever the case may be, I think it's really, really dope to see how Las Vegas receives not only Chris Bryant, but all of their native sons. I think it's really dope. Um, let's get to my dad's tip in and let's get out of here. There's so much going on, my head is spinning. This is the way he, this is the way he opens he opens it up. Imagine a column starting like that. <laughs> what are we what are you talking about? So much going on, my head is spinning. Sorry about that. There is no way a true sports fan with any true loyalty to a team right now can keep up right now. Excuse me. For me, the Cowboys are making moves that appear to be championship moves. Please relax. <sighs> Never mind. The Dodgers are losing more than winning, but the World Baseball Classic is going on at the same time, so I have an excuse. My women's bracket is busted. My men's bracket is looking good with UCLA still in it, and I don't even like UCLA like that. But I have them to win it. The Lakers are crawling into the playoffs with a scary lineup to give me just enough hope that if they're healthy, they could be a threat and probably, or excuse me, they could be a threat but probably won't. Not to mention the LA Kings are still showing signs of life. We got Javante Davis and Ryan Garcia coming up, as well as Israel Adesanya and Alex Perea. WrestleMania is on April's, April Fool's Day weekend, and then Tax Day is on April 18th. How am I supposed to keep up? I don't know, man. I, I don't know. I, everything my dad pointed out is valid. Uh, now we're going to get personal, Matt. Have you done your taxes yet? Look at you, the responsible one of the group. Um, Take a wild guess. Nope, never mind. Nope. I almost told on myself. Let's move on. Until next time, guys. Keep on talking.